Welcome. You are listening to the Spiritual Exercises Podcast. My name is Rachel Amaday, and today we're doing something a little bit special, a little bit different. This is meant to be a place for you that to come back to time and again on days where you are feeling down, feeling ill, feeling upset, feeling hard-pressed. This is going to be something that you can revisit and remind yourself not only of the goodness of God, but of his ability to heal his people. And I think that this is really important at a time where I have been bombarded with too many family and friends in the midst of physical, spiritual, and emotional illness. And there really is no other word for it, just heartbreak and shattering of mind, body, and spirit among God's people. God's people are suffering right now. Too many are suffering right now. And one thing that we need to be reminded of is that we have a God who heals, whose intention is to make us whole. So today, we're going to delve into some different aspects of what the Bible has to say about God's healing power. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Sabbath. But whenever I delve into this particular topic... It feels too close to prosperity gospel. It's too close to a promise I shouldn't be making, too close to places we fear to tread because what if we're wrong? What if there's only failure? What if God doesn't heal us, doesn't want to heal us, or isn't present enough for such an activity today? And yet, on the other side, with every doubt, we banish his participation. We fly in the face of Christ's words when he said, by your faith, you have been healed. In this, we admit we have no faith or so little that we cannot even admit that God is absolutely big enough to bear our burdens, to heal us, mind, body, and spirit, and to do miraculous things even now. Not because he is a genie, he's no such thing, but because perhaps since he never changes, healing and restoration are in his nature. They always have been. Of this we can have no doubt, for Christ said that he came to heal and then sent his disciples to heal in even greater ways than himself. John 14, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it." End quote. He said this to the disciples. People would continue on to do amazing things in the name of Yeshua. But there is one caveat. You have to have faith. So if we stop believing in God's healing power, do we have the faith to see these incredible, miraculous healing works done? The question is, do we even know how to access this anymore? And does God still want to heal people? You may be of the ilk that believes that God no longer does these sorts of miracles. But then I have to ask, by what power have people been healed time and again to the dismay of the medical practitioners who oversee them? 
By what power have we laid hands on people and seen their healing take place? By what power can I go to the Lord and ask for a migraine to be taken, and it is taken? Should we not give glory to God for such moments that happen all over the globe to many who pray in faith? Is it by our own belief alone? What is the manner of these healings? For me, I have decided I've got to give glory to God, who the Bible tells us is responsible for all good things and who holds all activity in his keeping. And whether by pure faith or a mixture of faith in God's willingness to bypass the laws of nature on our behalf, healings do take place. So do you need healing? I have to ask who doesn't. In America, the extraordinary numbers of people enslaved to addictions, to social media, to monetary gain, to pharmaceutical products, and to pain or illness that entraps the mind and depresses the emotions. Too few are walking pain-free. Too few are living without the heavy burdens that take an emotional toll. A toll that can often completely impede your ministry, family life, communal participation, and connection. Have you taken a good breath today? Like a real deep calming breath. Have you stopped to wonder at something? To discover your awe over a piece of nature or a moment in your day? Have you spoken to your creator and had a quiet moment to hear the response? Have you opened scripture and found in it your answers? Well, if you haven't had that moment yet, consider this your opportunity. Today, we delve into prayers of healing. Shocking promises given to some in the scriptures and even some given for us today. We will end with a reading from Abraham Heschel on the Sabbath, as I believe the keeping of the Sabbath to be an essential step towards total mind, body, and spirit healing that will assist you in your next steps to wholeness. We begin. Philippians 4, 6-9 through 9. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God, and God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through quiet Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think on and weigh and take account of these things. Practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and model your way of living on it, and the God of peace will be with you. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7 For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want you to think about soundness of mind. You could translate that also as self-control. The ability to have control over your body and your thoughts. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God in you. 1 John 3, verse 21-22 through 22. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, 
then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. When you seek the Lord, when you obey him, when you want to please him, your prayers before him are heard. Likely because your prayers are in alignment with his. And so you can ask and know that you will receive from God the goodness that he wants to pour out in your life. James 5, verse 14 through 16. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults to one another, and pray one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. This is an incredible claim made in James. That if you're ill, if you're sick, you find wise leaders, the elders, and you have them pray for you and anoint you with oil in the name of Adonai. And that prayer can save the sick. That, and you can be raised up. That your sins can be forgiven as you confess. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Church, what do you believe in regards to this? This is the New Testament. This is after Christ left. This was happening in the early church. This continued to happen. I believe that God desires for us to experience his healing power. It is not just spiritual. The concept that you are just a spirit and you don't need to worry about your body is actually a very ancient pagan concept. It is not biblical. You are whole. Body, mind, spirit. Okay? Body, soul, and spirit. You are one. You cannot do one without the other. Until you die, you will not be able to do one without the other. Your body contains your mind and your spirit. And so, of course, your body is going to affect your mind and your spirit. Of course, illness is going to change your emotions and how you feel. This has been proven through science. We have finally discovered that the immune system is connected to the brain. And it's connected to emotions. And when you are sick, you feel down for a reason. What happens in your body matters. How easy is it for God to say your sins are forgiven? Right? It costs Christ everything to be, in order to be able to truly say your sins are forgiven. So how much easier for him to heal a body? Amen. He is capable. It is we who have lost faith. This promise is for those who love and put their trust in the Lord. The concept of dwelling in his shelter implies a willingness to obey his ways. And this is Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day. 
nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Isaiah 53, starting at verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Mark 10, 27. And Jesus, looking upon them, said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I believe that this last verse in 2 Corinthians is one incredible step towards healing. What you think with your mind affects your physical life so greatly. I'm a little bitter towards the New Age movement which stole this concept from scripture and twisted it with many lies in order to make a whole totally new religion out of it. The concept that your mind controls what happens to your life has always been in scripture. Capturing every thought to make it obedient to Christ will vastly change your behavior and will vastly change your ministry. It is an important aspect of living for the Lord. For Yeshua taught time and time again and was taught in the Old Testament that God wants you to love him with all of your heart, mind, and strength. He wants you to think on his things, on what is pure, what is worthy, what is just, what is true, what is noble. The Bible makes it clear that how you think will affect what you produce. The fruit of your life is everything that reveals what your mind is like. Capture your thoughts and you will find unbelievable amount of healing begin to take place at the very least at the soul level. And now I'm going to do some reading from Abraham Heschel who discusses some aspects of the Sabbath that perhaps you haven't quite thought about. He says this, To set apart one day a week for freedom, a day on which we would not use the instruments which have been so easily turned into weapons of destruction, 
a day for being with ourselves, a day of detachment from the vulgar, of independence of external obligations, a day on which we stop worshiping the idols of technical civilization, a day on which we use no money, a day of armistice in the economic struggle with our fellow men and the forces of nature. Is there any institution that holds out a greater hope for man's progress than the Sabbath? The solution of mankind's most vexing problems will not be found in renouncing technical civilization, but in attaining some degree of independence of it. In regard to external gifts, to outward possessions, there is only one proper attitude. To have them and not be able to do without them. On the Sabbath, we live, as it were, independent of technical civilization. We abstain primarily from any activity that aims at remaking or reshaping the things of space. Man's royal privilege to conquer nature is suspended on the seventh day. What of the kinds of labor not to be done on the Sabbath? They are, according to the ancient rabbis, all those acts which were necessary for the construction and furnishing of the sanctuary in the desert. The Sabbath itself is a sanctuary which we build, a sanctuary in time. It is one thing to race or be driven by the vicissitudes that menace life, and another thing to stand still and to embrace the presence of an eternal moment. The seventh day is the armistice in man's cruel struggle for existence, a truce in all conflicts, personal and social, peace between man and man, man and nature, peace within man. A day on which handling money is considered a desecration, on which man avows his independence of that which is the world's chief idol. The seventh day is the exodus from tension, the liberation of man from his own muddiness, the installation of man as a sovereign in the world of time. In the tempestuous ocean of time and toil, there are islands of stillness where man may enter a harbor and reclaim his dignity. The island is the seventh day, the Sabbath, a day of detachment from things, instruments, and practical affairs, as well as of attachment to the spirit. The Sabbath must all be spent in charm, grace, peace, and great love, for on it even the wicked in hell find peace. It is therefore a double sin to show anger on the Sabbath. Exodus 35 verse 3, you shall kindle no fire throughout your habitations on the Sabbath day, is interpreted to mean, you shall kindle no fire of controversy, nor the heat of anger. You shall kindle no fire, not even the fire of righteous indignation. Out of the days through which we fight, and from whose ugliness we ache, we look to the Sabbath as our homeland, as our source and destination. It is a day in which we abandon our plebeian pursuits and reclaim our authentic state, in which we may partake of a blessedness in which we are what we are, regardless of whether we are learned or not, of whether our career is a success or a failure. It is a day of independence of social conditions. All week we may ponder and worry whether we are rich or poor, whether we succeed or fail in our occupations, whether we accomplish or fall short of reaching our goals. But who could feel distressed when gazing at spectral glimpses of eternity, except to feel startled at the vanity of being so distressed? The Sabbath is no time for personal anxiety or care, for any activity that might dampen the spirit of joy. The Sabbath is no time to remember sins, to confess, to repent, or even to pray for relief or anything we might need. It is a day for praise, not a day for petitions. Fasting, mourning, demonstrations of grief are forbidden. The period of mourning is interrupted by the Sabbath, and if one visits the sick on the Sabbath, one should say, It is the Sabbath. 
One must not complain, you will soon be cured. One must abstain from toil and strain on the seventh day, even from strain in the service of God. I'll stop there for a moment. You know, I don't find anywhere in scripture that you cannot fast or mourn or repent or petition on the Sabbath. But the concept really isn't about those particular activities. The concept is rest. Rest from the worry of your life. And in every prayer of petition and all fasting and mourning, we are mentally taken up with the worries of life, with the concerns of our physical state. Oftentimes in complete forgetfulness of the spiritual and physical promises of the Lord that someday he will return, that he will reign on the earth, that he will restore to us the fullness of our mind, bodies, and spirits. These promises are what we hold on to on the seventh day. It's the moment when we are supposed to do as God did, sit on the throne at the end of the week, and even if we did not finish all that we were supposed to, we're supposed to pretend as if we did. Because God did. On the seventh day, he said his work was complete, and he enjoyed the fruit of his labors. That's the pattern for us. We don't know how to do it very well because our minds do tend to take over, and instead of us grasping at our thoughts and throwing the wrong ones out, we tend to just live in them even through the Sabbath. And in that sense, are we not still slaves to the system? And aren't we on the Sabbath supposed to prove that we are free? From that system? That we belong to a system far higher, that we belong to a kingdom that will reign eternally. I'll continue with some other thoughts by Abraham Heschel. For the Sabbath is a day of harmony and peace, peace between man and within man, and peace with all things. On the seventh day, man has no right to tamper with God's world to change the state of physical things. It is a day of rest for man and animal alike. The Sabbath thus is more than an armistice, more than an interlude. It is a profound conscious harmony of man and the world, a sympathy for all things and a participation in the spirit that unites what is below and what is above. All that is divine in the world is brought into union with God. This is Sabbath and the true happiness of the universe. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Exodus 20, verse 8. Is it possible for a human being to do all his work in six days? Does not our work always remain incomplete? What the verse means to convey is, rest on the Sabbath as if all your work were done. Another interpretation, rest even from the thought of labor. Hmm. What we are depends on what the Sabbath is to us. The law of the Sabbath day is in the life of the spirit, what the law of gravitation is in nature. Nothing is as hard to suppress as the will to be a slave to one's own pettiness. Gallantly, ceaselessly, quietly, man must fight for inner liberty. Inner liberty depends upon being exempt from domination of things, as well as from domination of people. There are many who have acquired a high degree of political and social liberty, but only very few are not enslaved to things. This is our constant problem, how to live with people and remain free, how to live with things and remain independent. 
And that's the last of the quote I'll use from Abraham Heschel today. I truly believe that one of the biggest parts of total healing mind, body, and spirit begins with the ability to be free and to not be a slave to things. That slave system that the world has set up is incredibly bad for your health. (laughs) And it's incredibly bad for your spirit and for your mind. Whether it's the worry about what you look like, the worry about how much money you make, the worry about the next bills that you have to pay, the worry about your social status or political status, the worry about what others think, the worry about uh, having a house, the worry uh, uh, even about your next bills on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, God wants you to be free from every single one of those concerns and pursuits to prove to all, both in the physical realm and the spiritual realm, that you are his and that all of your worry and your cares can go to him, that you trust him above all other things. Now, the Bible even says, God says, the Sabbath and the keeping of the Sabbath is a sign between himself and his people. It's a sign because on the Sabbath day, you are free. While everyone else may stay enslaved, it's the day you get to prove that you are of another kingdom. This is health. This is fruitfulness, right? This is wholeness. So in the Sabbath day, you are going to find more wholeness and more opportunities for health, and more opportunities for psychological soundness that will refresh you and give you the energy that you need for the rest of the week. Remember, the Sabbath day was made for man. Jesus tells us this. It is for your benefit. So I believe if you are seeking out healing, start taking the Sabbath. Start to really believe that God is the one who cares for you, takes care of you, and will sustain you. And watch what he does to your mind, which will change and shift so many other things in your life. My first real steps towards large healing in areas where I really had needed it for a long time began when I began truly observing the Sabbath. This is not just the testimony of scripture. That is not just the testimony of many over thousands of years. This is my personal testimony. And so I cannot help but bring it up when we are talking about true healing. There are many other verses, my friends, about healing, and you can go to scripture and find them. God's intention for you is wholeness and health, mind, body, and spirit. Now, you might not get all of it, right? God may use any sort of suffering you're going through to craft you, mold you, and to make you a greater testimony for his kingdom. But that does not mean that there are not ways to be whole and healthy in that process and to keep your joy and to keep your testimony And it certainly doesn't mean that you can't pray for healing and that you can't go to the Lord God and say, God, I want to be totally in you so that I can experience everything you want to do, mind, body, and spirit in my life. I pray wholeness and healing for you. I pray comfort for you. I pray that that spirit of God that is of love, power, and soundness of mind would be upon you because that is the promise of his spirit. And I pray that this particular podcast has been something that you'll be able to revisit, maybe on days when you're feeling too down to do the work on your own. Many blessings.